Romans chapter 7, verse 18 through verse 24. Romans chapter 7, verse 18 through verse 24. If you have it in your Bible or your smart device, just to let me know that we're together, will you shout, I have the bread? Well, I know the rest of you are on your way, but I'll go ahead and start reading. Romans chapter 7, verse 18 through verse 24. And the word of the Lord reads, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I can't figure it out. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but that sin. That lives on the inside of me. Verse 21. I find in a law that when I would do good, I don't have to even look for it. Evil is present with me. For the truth is, I delight in God. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind. (laughs) Working against my common sense even. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Last verse. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And all of God's people said, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I don't have a fancy topic, but I do want you to remember this uh, title or this heading that I will share with you tonight. Uh, look at the person beside you because this may be the only thing they remember. Tell them this is the last attempt. This is the last attempt. Salvation is a gift, but yet salvation is also a mystery because man's existence is a dichotomy. In the sense that we are made up of material and immaterial matter. Even science and scientists say that. We are a trichotomy in which we declare that the immaterial part of us is split up into two dimensions that we call soul and spirit. So then, this is what makes it complicated. It's because our salvation... Although it affects every part of our being, the truth is there's no tangible receipt that comes from heaven with salvation. Although our countenances change and there is audible manifestations, we in apostolia, we call it glossolia, tongues. The truth is, There is usually no physical evidence of our salvation. Now, I know what we said growing up. I looked at my hands and they looked new. I looked at my feet and they did too. Well, you looked at your hands. They may have have looked new, but the truth is you still had 10 fingers, most of us, and 10 toes. There was no physical change. And that's okay in the beginning. It's okay in the beginning. 
that there's no physical manifestation. Because you know when the Lord saved you and filled with the Holy Ghost, you know in your heart by faith you are saved. And quickly then we have to acknowledge that salvation did happen. But my soul was saved immediately. My spirit or mind is being saved daily. But this body I'm in will be saved eventually. In other words, after being saved, I have to then walk out and walk around clothed in a seeming contradiction. Mm. As gifted as you are, you have to admit, and maybe you won't admit it out loud tonight and you can just sit in your stillness and I won't ask you to confess it or raise your hand. But we who are anointed in this room and called by God, we are spiritual and carnal. Knowledgeable and knowing nothing. Strong and weak. Close to God at times in worship and distant from him in private. I got to talk about this out loud because they didn't do it when I was growing up. When I was growing up, the songs were, when you see me coming, I got Jesus on my mind. And that's true some of the time. Mm. And yes, I wake up sometimes speaking in tongues. Some of the time. Y'all didn't got still now. Y'all didn't got quiet now. Yes. I am the most spiritual person you know most of the time. But I need the honest people who will be honest with me. Everybody else, I'm not going to put no pressure on you. Tell them sometimes I look like a contradiction. No, if you don't want to admit it, your spouse will. Because they see both parts of you. All parts of you. And somebody said, that's being hypocritical. No, all of it is me. A believer who is not sober will be affected by these inward conflicts and they will respond in an unhealthy way. For example, when you start dealing with your contradictions, you will start to wonder and question the authenticity of salvation. It starts out with, am I saved? But if it don't happen for you and don't clear up quickly for you, it start making you question salvation itself. Oh, this is going to be an apologetics message tonight. Is that all right? No, 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 no. You'll go from, well, maybe I didn't get what everybody else got. Because when I hear their testimonies and their sermons, it seemed like what they used to do, they do no more. And when they got the Holy Ghost, God snatched the appetite and the desire straight from them and they never went back. So now I'm questioning, did I get the generic brand? Now some of you all, you grew up like I did. You didn't grow up on in, in the expensive side of town. When I was growing up and we wanted Fruit Loops, my mama would say, well, Fruit Rings is the same thing. Some of y'all had Honey Smacks, we had Puff Wheats. 
Our cereal wasn't even in a box, it was in a bag. I, and when these moments happen, when you don't experience the transformation that you desired when you were tarrying for the Holy Ghost, and you got the tongues, you got the feeling, you got the emotion, but as you start walking, some things you thought you were delivered from would tap you on your shoulder again. Something that you thought you had buried and had a funeral and you testified about it and now you're sitting at home and you want to smoke it one more time. Y'all not sitting none of them in here. When you discover a phone number that you thought you had deleted and the name was deleted but the message thread was still present and now you're mad at yourself because you want to call it. You want to reach out. It's something in me that still wants what God delivered me from. And because the saints didn't tell us the whole story. Yes. I looked at the saints and I watched how they stood in power and strength. But I wish somebody would have told me that they failed at least 15 times before they learned how to stand. I wish somebody would tell me, you ain't got to tell me all the details, but just let me know I didn't miss God. Let me know that my experience at the altar was real because when I start dealing with stuff in my present that I thought I lost in my past, it makes me end this crazy. How can I be this gifted and this guilty? Does it make sense? So what happens is, if we don't get a, pro a proper apologetic stance, and we question our salvation until we end up slipping into the next scope, and the question is, is salvation real at all? No, we got to have this conversation, because there's some people who grew up in church with us. They don't want it anymore. And before you demonize them, oh, y'all just don't want to live for God. Y'all just don't want to live for God. See, 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 everybody don't want Jesus. No, no, no. Some people wanted him. But the feeling of consistently disappointing him overwhelmed his love for them. They were not in a place where they could feel it. So instead of saying, I need him, they just said, evidently, he's not real. Because I cried out to him and he didn't answer. Y'all not saying, I asked God to take it away from me and he didn't. I got on my face and I fasted and I still got the feelings. Y'all not saying, y'all not telling the whole story. Because we talk about how we prayed and he delivered. But how many times did you pray and he said, not yet. And it wasn't because I wasn't serious. I had the tears. Some people didn't repent until they got caught. But I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I repented without anybody knowing about it. David says, my sins are forever before me. And some of y'all call some of us humble. When the truth is that we're not that humble, we're just that scared that we would just rather lay low so we don't fall hard. Tell your neighbor it's not all the time humility tell them sometime it's fear i need everybody here to get free real quick i want you to get free real quick if somebody in this room you have an assignment from god and you know god called you to do it but you feel like you feel yourself be pulling back sometimes because of fear i want you to jump up and shout i am scared come on do it quick i am
am scared. God is calling me to do it, but I am scared. God is requiring me to do it, but I'm scared. I, it's been confirmed over and over. I am not ignorant concerning my assignment. Look at somebody tell her, I'm scared. And somebody said, that ain't no victory. Yes, it is. You just put light on a dark space. How? Because if you can label it right, you can cast it out right. Hallelujah. Because you've been calling it the wrong thing. And God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I need a hundred of you to shout louder than your fears. I need you to shout louder than your, shout louder than your fears. Y'all be seated. Because the reason why some people walked away from their assignment, from their calling, and from the faith is because the space of guilt connected with an improper theology caused them to walk away. Some will question the authenticity of salvation. Or question their salvation. Number two. How do people respond to this inward conflict? Because I'm supposed to be saved. Others will change their theology. They'll stay in church. But they will change their theology concerning holiness. And holy living. So because we are bent towards sin. We're living in a world. That caters to our sinful nature and a devil that lures us with it. That means holiness is not obtainable. And if holiness is not obtainable, why pursue something that you'll never obtain? And then other doctrines come in among us. The Bible says false prophets, they start creeping in unaware. And we thought growing up in the Pentecostal Apostolic Church that we could save you from false prophets because we only fellowshiped with ourselves. And we didn't go nobody else's church. We didn't sing in no community choir. We don't eat from everybody's table, but this is a different day now. It's creeping in unaware on your YouTube channels. It's creeping in unaware in your DMs. Come on, can't nobody lock you in a corner now because the globalization of spirituality fixes it when you will sit in a barber chair and you'll hear another doctrine you'll be in the salon and you'll hear another doctrine and so then these these doctrines that tell us that not only is holiness not obtainable and there's no desire there should be no desire or pursuit to obtain it I want to lift to you that even if I'm wrong Holiness is right. Uh, we got to rehearse this. Come on, y'all. We got to rehearse this. Follow peace with all men. Holiness without. No man shall see the Lord. I need you to tell your neighbor, I'm still pursuing holiness. Why should I still pursue holiness? Because the pursuit itself is holy. You can talk about me and say, well, you ain't going to never get there where well, it's holy because I'm pursuing it. I am holy because I'm in pursuit of holiness. Isaiah chapter 35 verse 8 says this. There's a highway there. And that highway is called holiness. 
The highway is called holiness. Holiness is called a what? A highway. That highway is called what? Holiness. That said, that speaks to us that our holiness is progressive. Young lady uh, created a whole uh, TikTok video uh, in honor of my statement that holiness is progressive. She was combating it. And if she's watching tonight, I just want to say to God be the glory for you. And thank you so much for platform time. But it is progressive. Oh, no, no, it's progressive. Because it is true. When you get the Holy Ghost, there are some things God will knock out of you in the middle of that floor. I'm a witness. Anybody, any witnesses in here? He'll snatch the taste out of your mouth. Come on, y'all talk to me in here. I mean supernaturally. Hallelujah. He'll uproot it out of you in one moment. Stuff that you thought you could never stop doing. I mean, he snatches it out of you. And then there's some other things. That thing got to be worked out of you. Come on. Some of that stuff we were born with. Some of that stuff didn't even start with us. Generationally, we inherited some stuff. And so God got to pull it up one service out of the time. One fast out of the time. Come on. Come on. One, one Bible study out of the time. Every stronghold is not pulled down because you reach up. But strongholds are pulled down with truth. And you don't know the truth until the truth is preached. Because a stronghold is a lie that's built up over time. Yes, sir. And the only way you're going to tear down a stronghold is you have to keep speaking truth to that lie. Because all of us are born with something. Y'all don't believe it? If you don't believe it, well, we already believe in original sin. We still believe in that, right? We believe through one fall, we all became sinners. Through Adam, we all became sinners. We even use the reference of David's scripture when David says, I was born in sin and I was shaping, I like a Bible church, and shaping in iniquity. So we believe in original sin. But even scientifically, a baby that has never grown up to use crack can be born addicted to crack because of the mother that was carrying some of us were born with certain desires and they are not desires that we chose uh oh this section y'all shut down on me over here I, I, I give you but somebody said well no I got some desires that my mama ain't never had so I got some desires my daddy ain't never struggled with well it's called something called a recessive gene that your baby can have red hair and your parents or their grandparents don't have red hair but they can be carriers of something that are manifesting you and many of us are starting to create our own theology based upon what we feel but feelings are like water you can't build your future on water. You got to build it on something solid. What you believe. I don't know why God got me preaching this at the music council. But I'm going to preach it anyway. You got to establish what you believe by something outside of you. 
get some out of eye contact. Tell them what you believe must be established by something outside of you. All right, reach over to one more person. Tell them what you believe. Believe about yourself. Believe about your God. It must be established by something outside of you. And that's why David says, Thy word, hallelujah, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What is it saying? God's word shows me where I am and God's word shows me where I'm going. And some people are walking away from the faith with no solid truth. You are giving up something solid for something that's a question mark. Now somebody said, "Well, you should be, you should be, you be, you should be preaching this in some outdoor evangelistic service." No, no, no. The Bible said, "In the last days, many will depart from the faith." And the challenge with that is, it did not say they would depart from the church, because we got people that's doing this and they don't believe in it anymore. We got people who are going up to to the pulpit every Sunday, leading us in worship, playing our instruments, swinging flags, pushing buttons on sound systems and cameras, and they don't believe in it anymore. Because by the time somebody walks away, they had walked away already. That's why we got to pick them up in the pew. Come on, send the word down or tell them you still believe in this. Come on, ask. Come on, see her. Ask them, do you still believe in holiness? I didn't ask you whether you were living holy. Do you still believe in it? Because if you start stop believing in it, you'll never live beyond how you believe. Ask them, do you still believe in holiness? Do you still believe in sex after marriage? Come on, somebody. Do, do, come, uh oh, uh oh. I said, what you believe? Come on, what do you believe? Do you still believe in speaking in tongues? What do you believe? And that's why I don't play around speaking in tongues. It's not that I'm being spooky. It's not that I'm trying to be deep. I don't want to make it common like a joke to the point when I need it, I got to question it. Some of you, y'all's play tongues sound just like your real tongues. So when cancer show up in your body, you need to know that when you start praying in the spirit, it's real. Somebody shout, I still believe in this. I want you to look at somebody real quick, one more time. Look at the same person. Tell them, I still believe in this. But there was a time I wondered. (laughs) Have you ever been there? Yep, don't y'all leave me. Have you ever been there? Have you start going through some stuff emotionally and mentally and spiritually? Have you ever leaned on somebody and you looked up to somebody, they failed you or they failed and it start making you question everything. That's why some people want to know everything. I don't want to know everything about everybody. I don't need to know everything about my pastor. I don't need to know everything about my bishop. Leave me in the dark about some things because I need to stay open to what God is saying. I don't want to be distracted by your flesh. My mama don't need to tell me all the details. Just tell me it works out. Tell me you made some mistakes, but you recover. Hallelujah. And you still believe in this. Shake somebody's head. Tell them I still believe in this. Y'all be seated. I didn't mean to go on like this. Holiness is still right. And let me tell you, because I'm so thankful for grace. When I tell you I'm so thankful for grace, because I tell all of my colleagues, you all know I lead, lead out some ecumenical groups and preachers from different denominations. 
And I've learned how to embrace the diversity of the kingdom of God. We are not the river. We are a stream. And it took me a long time to get there because I grew up believing that we were the only ones had it and everybody else needed it. <laughs> yeah, we got it. We got a part of it. Until, the, until we all come into the unity of the what? Of the faith. The unity of the faith. And so that's what God is. He's, he is bringing uh, the body together. But I grew up in a very law-based culture. And, and I don't take nothing away from it. I thank God for it. You, when I tell y'all, sometimes when y'all talk about the old school, y'all need to put some respect on it. I'm so glad I'm not in bondage. I'm so glad I'm not in bondage. Well, you saying you're not in bondage, but some of you, your liberty didn't put you in bondage. See, y'all in bondage. Y'all in bondage. No, see, it's, it's all depending on your revelation of it. The speed limit is not for my bondage. The speed limit is for my safety. See, some of y'all look at being submitted to lead. See, y'all, y'all, y'all submitted to man. See, I don't need no man over me. See, that's, a, that's all of your revelation. It's all, about your, it's all about your perspective. No, I need somebody over me. I need God in somebody. Even when God got ready to save us, it was God in a body. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. You got to get a revelation that God is going to use somebody around you to check you if you're open to it. Tell your neighbor, it wasn't bondage, it saved me. Because God knew what I needed. See, some of you didn't need it, and it's okay. But I needed to be in church as much as I was. I needed, I came from a crack addict family. I needed carry service, prayer, beat, Bible study, youth beat. I needed Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, chicken dinners, golf brand can sodas. I needed all of it. YPWW, YPHA, YPAA. I needed all of them. And imagine, Pastor Latoya, imagine if the generation that raised us, imagine if they would have started at our liberty. Where would we be if our grandparents started at our liberty? We wouldn't recognize the church. So I thank God. I thank God for, for grace. Because I grew up, the, 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 the offside of growing up in a classical Pentecostal background is that you could never be sure at times whether you were saved. Now, now I ain't talking about where y'all from. I'm talking about my upbringing. We could never be sure. I mean, we came from a great background, Mona, didn't we? We came from a great... But even after you got, because it was the sign, the sign of salvation is you had to repent. And repentance was not just saying, I'm sorry. You had to have the tears. You had to be godly sorry. And then you had to be baptized. At that moment, you needed to be baptized. I don't understand these churches. Y'all baptized once a year. No, they, they got to bury you right away. Don't leave no dead bodies in the camp. I mean, I don't care if it was winter time. They'll break open a creek. Break the ice just to baptize you. And he says, it's too cold. No, chill your body, but not your soul. <laughs> and then after you got baptized, right away, you got to start tearing. You got to tear. You know, 
Oh, it's so beautiful, this generation now, how they are able in faith. And I love it. And I watch it happen in our church all the time. How by faith they walk in and, and they just, I said, what, what, what do you want prayer for? I would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, oh, sure. Okay, well, lift your hands. And they lift their hands. And I said, now you got to call on Jesus. I said, oh, man. Hold on now. I tarried for weeks. And you just came in. Isn't that beautiful? That now they have a revelation that it's a gift. And they can just receive it. But that ain't how it happened for us. We tarried. We labored. And I don't take nothing. I'm thankful that I tarried. But even after I tarried and I finally spoke, I didn't claim it for a long time. You know why I didn't claim it? Because I didn't think I could live up to the confession. So there was another works. There was another. And when I did finally claim it and says, you know, they says, you know, because when, when I was growing up, when you did speak in tongues the first time, you know, the next week you still have to come back to make sure. And when you start speaking, somebody had the cosign. They'd be like, you got a blessing. He got a blessing. He got a blessing. You didn't get the Holy Ghost. That means you got the stammer lips. They'd, oh, she got it. Oh, she got it. But when I finally claimed it, I had a holiness mother. She's watching tonight and her and my grandmother that's 90 years old. And, and my mother would say stuff after I claimed having the Holy Ghost. She would come in the house and be like, mm, look at that room. People who had the Holy Ghost don't have dirty rooms. You got the Holy Ghost? Look at them dishes. I thought I told you to clean the dishes. And you got the Holy Ghost. I never forget, I snuck out, uh, went with a, not just sneak out, I got my mama's blessing to go to one of my friend's churches, which was a no-no, but she gave me grace, and I had to be at home by a certain time, and it was one of them uh, uh, charismatic uh, prophesying churches, because you know, in our church, we didn't prophesy maybe once or twice a year, but in this service, they was prophesying to everybody, and I was excited, because somebody's going to finally prophesy over me. <laughs> I mean, I was... I was just set up for it. I, I looked hungry for a prophecy. And they prophesied that everybody was falling out. I probably fell out before they touched me. That's how excited I was. But when I got up, it was past my curfew. And I'll never forget. I walked in the house. I was like, Ooh. And my mama looking like this. She said, didn't I tell you to be in this house about 10 o'clock? I said, yes, mama. I was out in the spirit. She said, no, if that was the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost would have told you to get up and obey your mother. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got to have good grades. Do you see this expectation? So it's never enough. And then you got to have the right standard. The right holiness standard. And for some of us, that based upon our church culture, there were more things we could not do than we could do. So it wasn't enough that you got baptized in Jesus' name. It wasn't enough that you got tongues. You still wearing pants and you're a woman. And look at your hairstyle as a man. You don't supposed to have parts and lines in your head. Hear what I'm saying to you. I'm trying to get to a point here. And so now, because the, the list has shortened, and this generation is a little different, you just don't do it because the pastor said it. You got questions like, uh, can you explain this? Because, you know, hold on. Because... So old church can say, cut that beard off. That's secular. That's worldly. He said, well, you know, the Bible does say Jesus. They actually plucked his beard. So that means Jesus had a beard. And they were like, but <laughs> obey me. 
This is a different generation. Y'all got all these commentaries and all these Bibles, and y'all didn't got free. Y'all didn't got a revelation that when we sin, God gives us grace. The only challenge is every time God says something, the devil can't create anything. He only perverts it. Now this era of grace has produced a hyper-grace doctrine. To the point now, hallelujah, people are sinning without repenting. Hallelujah. No conviction. You tell me you did that and you walked up in here. You didn't bend your knees and pray. You didn't ask for forgiveness. You tell me you cussed somebody out on your way to church and you still going to serve. Let me tell you, it's not about what people know. When I was growing up and you were in the wrong, you would sit there when the choir went up to sing. And they said, you're not going to sing. Like, not tonight. Why? Because you feared God. Yes, he gives me grace. But Romans chapter 6 verse 1 asks the question, shall we continue in sin? that grace may abound God God forbid how can we who are dead to sin live tell your neighbor repentance is still necessary why oh but we my future sins are forgiven I believe it but the application of the grace that's already paid for comes through repentance you don't have to pay for the grace you repent to apply it because he gives grace to the humble my God some of us want to be changed but we won't lay still Holy, some of us want to be delivered but we won't let him do it many walk away because of unbelief and because of guilt and shame and I'm preaching this message tonight I'm closing out now, but I preach. I wanted to preach this message tonight because there were times I wish church was safe enough. For me to be used by the church and covered by the church. Many of us ended up in darkness because we couldn't trust the people in the light. And sin festered in darkness. I wanted somebody to tell me why I was going through my strenuous back and forth in my emotions, in my mind. That they could walk up to me when I was young and I was leading worship and directing the choir and saying, I see you. I see you. Let me tell you how this works. And that's why some of us, God took us through the process slower than we desired. Because if he would have brought us through our process too quickly, we would have been so arrogant that we wouldn't have helped nobody else. God took some of us through some of the things we struggled with long enough. So when a new convert comes in and they start trying to describe where they are and what they're going through, you can say, oh yeah, I know where you are. I know what exit you pass and what you need to do is take the next exit and then you take a left and you can get back on the right path. You, listen, God will take you through the process because it's, mm, because it's bigger than you. The life of Apostle Paul speaks to us. Hear me, Brown. The life of this apostle, the language that we read tonight in the scripture. I hope I didn't bore y'all too much with this. This is what I had. This message, this scripture is written from an apostle. 
it would be easier for us to preach it if this text was him making a reference to his life before salvation. It would be so much easier if he would say, before I got saved, when I would do good, evil is always present. Before I became an apostle, there's a war in my members. But this is post-apostolic affirmation. This says that there's no level that you will ever get in God where you won't have to wrestle with something. I need you to scream at somebody tell them, you didn't miss your calling. You didn't miss your assignment. As a matter of fact, some thorns are because of your revelation. It's because of your revelation. Paul is confusing because I'm reading the scripture and it says God gave him a thorn a messenger of Satan. It came from God but it's a messenger of Satan because we have a improper theology when it comes to God and Satan. We put them both on the same level but God has no rival. God has no equal. I want you to, I want to say this, and some of y'all, it may scare you, but I'll let you unpack it. But look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, Satan is a servant to God. Ooh, the punishment of Satan is that he has to serve the purpose of God. And when the angels of God came before Jehovah, Satan came with them also. And God asked Satan, where have you been? He says, I've been going to and fro, seeking who I can destroy. And God said to him, he didn't say, I rebuke you, Satan. He didn't say, get thee behind me. He says, have you considered my servant Job? I need you to get out of your seat and run to three people and tell them God is bragging on you. God is bragging on you. Satan ain't got no power over you. He ain't got no power over your destiny. He ain't got no power over your future. God! I said, God! He's bragging on you. He's bragging on you. Tell your neighbor, you must be anointed. You must be called. You must be gifted. How do you know? The thorn told me. Your infirmity told me. Your warfare told me. Your affliction told me. And the Bible declared that if you're righteous, many are the afflictions in your mind afflictions, in your emotions affliction, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Let somebody shout, but the Lord. I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you that you're getting ready to experience a victory in an area of your life where you have felt defeated. I said you're getting ready to experience a victory in your life. There's a space in your life where you felt defeated over and over. But tell your neighbor, prepare yourself for victory. I just want to preach to you as I go to my seat. Your ministry, somehow lifted, will not be marked by shame. Hallelujah. Your marriage will not dissolve in shambles. My God. So somebody may be asking, what's wrong with me? How is it that after all God has done for me, I find 
find myself going back to old stuff but I come to declare to you if any man be in Christ he's a new creation old things tell you that it's already passed or passed away but get ready for behold but you said bishop you can't you can't be serious you're talking to them but you're not talking to me because what I've been dealing with don't look like my assignment what I've been dealing with don't look like my calling and if the church people knew they wouldn't celebrate me and they would not use me there's a whole lot of saints are dealing with anxiety because of the fear of being found out whole lot of saints are dealing with fear because they're afraid of being exposed but look at your neighbor and say neighbor God already knows oh my God and he still called you look at somebody tell him God already knows and he chose you he said to Jeremiah before I formed you in your mother's womb already knew you I knew your strengths and I knew your weaknesses I knew your flaws and I knew your proclivities but I ordained you to be a prophet I feel God in here and I need you to look at somebody and tell them tell them he's putting you on schedule you've had some setbacks but he's putting you on schedule you made more mistakes than you can count he's putting you on schedule I need you to put your arms around somebody and tell him he hasn't changed his mind God's word over you is yay and amen hallelujah I come to tell you one way here at this music council you can't resign and you can't walk away because there's a tabernacle it's got to be rebuilt and talking about uh, the tabernacle of Moses uh, there's another tabernacle uh, that Amos talked about uh, there's another tabernacle uh, that Samuel introduced uh, and there's another tabernacle uh, that the book of Revelation uh, declared would take place uh, it's called the tabernacle uh, of David uh, there's a tabernacle uh, and uh, the worship leaders uh, we need you to lead us uh, in the tabernacle of David uh, the prophets uh, we need you to prophesy uh, at the tabernacle of David uh, pull on somebody uh, and say somebody uh, I'm not going to the past uh, I'm going to the future uh, and David's tabernacle uh, is all about the future uh, and you say Bishop Younger uh, it sounds good uh, it sounds good for them uh, but here recently uh, my flesh uh, has been acting crazy. I'm like, y'all ain't gonna say amen to his all right. But here lately, my mind has been playing tricks on me. Here lately, instead of going forward, it seems like I'm going backwards. And the word of the Lord for you is this is the last attempt. My God, what you talking about, Bishop? Anytime somebody is about to if you go see them in the hospital they can have days of laying still with a sponge of water dapped upon their lips their eyes will wonder but when they get ready to die I need some nurses
pastors in here to just be a witness they can be laying still but right before they die the body will convulse the body will shake and scientists say this is the last attempt that the flesh is trying to save itself and somebody in this room you're trying to figure out why my flesh has been shaking why my mind has been running tell somebody you're not going back to the past this is just the last attempt of your flesh this is the last attempt of your flesh to try to win but scream at somebody tell them my flesh got to die my flesh got to come subject my flesh got to obey the will of the lord clap your hands clap your hands clap your hands oh this is this is the last You might as well die. You might as well die. Hey! You closer. When you get the seven people, tell them you must be close. You must, you must be close. When old stuff start coming back, you must be close. Woo! All right, I'm finished. You must, you must be close. It don't make sense. When you thought it was finally conquered. When the Israelites got out and they were on their way, that's when the Egyptians came. And the sign that your past wants you back means you are closer to your promise. I I just wanted to tell you because these moments will start playing with you, man. And they will make you forfeit God God moments. They will make you walk away. And your pastor has been talking to you about the ministry. And your leaders have been talking about you taking on more responsibility. And you're talking, I don't know. I don't know. But what is it really about? What is it really? It's your flesh's last attempt to live. God told me to preach it tonight. This is not what I had to preach. God told me to preach it to somebody. I come to save somebody's future. I come to save somebody's ministry. Because somebody has, is almost about to forfeit destined moments. How is it? That you can have answers for everybody else. But it seemed like you got this curse that you start getting in your own head. The Bible says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I pray that you are blessed by the message today. 
And if you want to continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and even more gospel messages, I encourage you to follow our YouTube channel or subscribe to our podcast. And today we want to give you an opportunity to partner what we're doing domestically here at our local church and what we're doing all over the world. There are ways to give. And remember, when you sow, that seed may leave your hand, but it'll never leave your life. The Bible declares to us that when we sow, seeds are connected to harvest. Well, I want you to remember that I know what it feels like to cry until you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up and keep going.